0: In today's episode, I'll be talking to Christina about her experience in an abusive relationship, moving into a refuge and learning to cope with the difficult emotions connected with this trauma. She also has some wonderful advice for you and tells us how she's thriving now. Welcome to The Secrets in the Powder Room, where we share stories and open up conversations about all the secrets women are forced to keep out of fear and shame. I'm Louise Bryant, professional certified coach, intuitive eating counsellor, and trauma-informed domestic abuse specialist and a survivor. I'm here to support you on your healing journey and help you feel like you're not alone. This is not to be a replacement of your own professional medical and or legal advice. This podcast contains adult language and content. Listener discretion is advised. Christine is a yoga teacher and dance artist, and she was raised in a rural, conservative Lithuanian family and shaped in vibrant Brighton and London. She's also a domestic abuse survivor, single parent, party events facilitator, performer and healer. Hello, Christina. How are you?
1: Hello, Liz. I'm very good. How are you?
0: I'm very well, thank you. I just want to acknowledge how brave you are and how grateful I am that you've come to the sequence of the powder room to tell your story. And I'm really excited to hear what you have to say and how you came out the other side and the great tips that you're going to offer our audience.
1: Thank you. My pleasure.
0: So what secrets have you been keeping out of fear and shame? So it is kind of fear and shame, but it's just um, there's
1: not really another room to talk about it because it sounds a little bit like I'm joking because it sounds to some kind of a bad, dark humor joke when I tell people the truth. So my secret would be uh, that i fall in love with a psychopath and I was extremely abused. Uh, and later my child was abused as well by him. There were lots of going on things like uh, I was drugged by him regularly without knowing. Later I find out he has been and maybe still is impersonating me online. So there is fake profile of me with a lot of information about me somewhere. And how long were you two together? I was with this person for five years, even if I know kind of to the degree what was going on, I was finding out. It's very tricky to explain that to people who haven't experienced domestic violence because they think, oh, why did you stay so long? Or, or like, oh, what a monster. And I, like one of the darkest secrets of mine is probably that I feel upset when people talk bad about him. I still feel defensive. Like I, I it doesn't help that people put him down. And why do you think that is? Because, like, I even feel these feelings like I'm missing him and I feel ashamed about it. So it was a very interesting kind of experience because I realised that all these feelings are kind of valid, but people would not understand because it doesn't make sense. And how long have you been separated from him? It was 2020. Nearly four years. Yeah, so it's been a while. So when we separated, I moved to another um, emergency accommodation uh, with my daughter and then abuse continued so I had to flee okay. to refuge after living about seven months in a separate flat but yeah I still had to move wow,
0: wow and that's always the case isn't it like the woman has to move away from the abusive person whereas the abusive person just gets on with their everyday life as if nothing's happened
1: Yeah, that is really, really sad. Like, I'm still... uh, Funny, I'm still telling people that I'm from Brighton. I don't live in Brighton, like, for for, for two and a half years. I cannot believe that I was kicked out of the city I loved. (laughs) It's a city shaped me. I love it. And I feel like it's part of me. And I can't believe that I had to leave this to keep myself and my daughter safe. And there was no other way. Yeah. And how did all of this affect you? The effects of the abuse that I've been um, exposed to right. were very subtle. For example, my parents don't even understand this because you have to kind of dive deep into narcissistic abuse to understand the signs. So when I explained my parents, my parents, my left, I said it was hard financially
0: okay. and to use drugs. And that's how you had to explain it to your family. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right, but uh, what actually was going on, um, so slowly, gradually, I lost my sense of judgment. So I remember feeling trapped. I remember as soon as I got in relationship with him, this is this kind of weird feeling of kind of like really good. But at the same time, I felt like I was trapped. I felt there was no way out, but I did not have
0: vocabulary for it or knowledge. How How is it possible? So, what was happening in your life at this point that made you kind of notice something was off? So I was going to
1: dance classes, I was go, I was dressing up the way I wanted I w- could talk to any men, like he wasn't jealous. In fact, he was encouraging me to talk to the men. Mm. So I thought, why do I feel trapped? Mm. And I remember catching myself thinking any decisions I'm making I am asking myself would you want me to do this decision I would wake up and I would think oh or shall I dress what you would like me to wear wow what shall I have for breakfast what would you like me to have for breakfast and any simple little decision it was based like that and I just thought okay something is off but again I don't have vocabulary
0: for it I don't it sounds crazy not at all it's at the beginning of these relationships it's the subtle things that they do that kind of start building upon one another don't they Was there anything else that you noticed in the beginning? Maybe I just uh, got
1: affected by my family dynamics, my parents, because I could talk about it to my perpetrator and he was talking to me and being very understandable, you would think. But then I would just feel kind of pushed and pushed and pushed. My boundaries would be pushed to the corner and I just didn't know what exactly was going on. And in the end, after these five years being together, I remember sitting in that emergency accommodation, which was absolutely lovely flat in the middle of
0: Brighton. And I feel like I'm floating. Like I don't even belong to my own body. And did you talk to anybody at the time around that, what was going on for you and your body? Yes. So I was talking to uh, my friend who studied
1: uh, psychology and it was kind of helping but also wasn't really it was uh, because I think when we talk to our friends they kind of project lots of their feelings about it you kind of lose sense of yourself even more okay. because you think oh my god my friend thinks I should do this but I don't know what I should do I don't even know who I am. Wow can you remember any of the effects that this had on you at the time? And then I remember the creeping anxiety. Like it was slowly growing and growing and growing. So most of the time, my ex, if we can call him like this, or my abuser, he would be like a perfect man of my dreams. He would act like a person I described him as my dream man. So I thought, why am I feeling bad? Because he does everything I want a man to be like. But then it would be uh, these cycles where something would start going wrong and I have this feeling that he is acting all the time and I thought that's crazy he would do that and why would they do that and then slowly slowly this invisible tension builds up and and I know that something awful is gonna happen mm. so then uh, so then he would start kind of little comments that would make me feel uncomfortable I like really subtle like the ones like Mm. even if your legs are so short I really prefer your legs than what
0: a society would think is really nice legs like long and skinnier I'm just curious you said that at the beginning he was like your dream man your ideal man did you disclose to him at the beginning what your ideal man or your dream man would be yes Mm. (laughs) interesting yes interesting
1: (laughs) Yes. so And he suddenly became everything I told him about. Mm, mm. And he actually tried to carry on with it. So he would actually commit to being disciplined with his gym, with his diet, with his routine. The way he would talk, words he would use, tone of his voice. During sex, he would do exactly the way I would want him to do. And he would really listen. And I think, oh, well, that sounds like his dream man. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, so slowly, slowly, that act started slipping. And it would be quite bizarre because you think, what just happened? there? So in the beginning of relationship, would be like, okay, that was weird. Did he have some kind of psychosis episode where he started like, shouting opposite things that he would usually say? I remember, like, one of the first things he did, that was my birthday. Classic, birthday spoiled. Uh I was talking to my colleague who came to say happy birthday and he sh- started shouting that, oh, did you just have sex with him? Mm. And I thought, that's so bizarre there's nothing like he would ever say you're so like open-minded yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then next day of course he says oh I'm so sorry I was so drunk like I should never drink again and that would
0: be okay well it's like he couldn't keep up the act every now and then the act mm-hmm. that he was doing which his guard would come down and these true colors would just Exactly, like, pop out. Yeah. and it
1: got more and more bizarre. Mm. So, like, and he would make it more and more playing by rules. Mm. So I think, oh, so very. Quickly in the beginning of a relationship, he sensed that my boundary is physical abuse, and if there was any sort of physical abuse, I would just leave. For him, that was his boundary. So, or the... Yes.
0: Okay. Uh, not my boundary. Okay. So
1: I remember he got angry, and one of these episodes where again, oh, maybe it's just alcohol makes him crazy. Mm. So, uh, so his hands were swaying in front of my face, and he's like big muscular man and his arms. I'm like, no, I'm not going to tolerate this Mm. i said just get out and don't come back and then of course some love bombing comes up there was alcohol actually i used this substitute and like i'll never do that again it's just oh i think you blamed steroids and you said okay i'll never again i'll use it try it's not for me i think okay so you never did anything like that again ever okay but but he used another tactic, yeah. so remember in the same episode, he asked me about my previous partners, mm. and I didn't want to tell him no because I knew it would be a problem, and I didn't want to share anyway. So, I wanted to answer something that you wouldn't question anymore. So, I disclosed with him that I was raped, which is true okay. uh, by a stranger. So, slowly, slowly, my abuse became sexual abuse. Wow. He realized that I was afraid of men because he realized I was afraid of that person who raped me. So, of course, now looking back, everything is very clear. But then I thought, okay, he's acting strange. So in the beginning, he says, oh, it triggers him when I wear
0: something appealing. So in the beginning, he liked you wearing revealing clothes and talking to men and then all of a sudden it was an issue for him and what else was going on that you found a bit strange in the beginning so things would be really good and he would disappear he
1: could be anywhere like he could go to the shop to get some sweets or toilet paper
0: and he would not come back how long for day (laughs) and what would his explanation be when he got back he would come
1: back like really really anxious so at this point i didn't know he was using cocaine and he would look really paranoid and scared and i thought something happened to him so in the beginning of relationship his excuse was that he was doing the secret job he couldn't tell me So he was uh, uh, collecting money uh, from someone like bad guys. And I thought, oh, something dangerous happened. So I thought, okay, so maybe he was just protecting me, didn't go to my house because he didn't want
0: people know where I live or something in fantasy, fantasy world. So there was all these lies and fantasy, fantasy in the beginning. So what happened next?
1: Then later I noticed this pattern and then he said oh it's just it's my anxiety I try to seek for help people don't understand and you're the one who are here to support me kind of and he look really really scared and really paranoid and his face would be different and he was think oh my god what's going on with this person I thought okay no problem let's go to the therapy wow and how did all of this affect you and uh, eventually how it affected me. Yeah, I remember having this anxiety and I would have panic attack every day, 3 p.m. because he usually would disappear that day. I mean, that time of the day, usually Friday, but sometimes more than that. But because it's like unpredictable. So every day, 3 o'clock, I would have... And of course, Friday would be really, really, really strong panic attack. And then I remember, I remember when I was... already living away from him but still in Brighton if I would hear sound I would jump I would think it's him and
0: I remember my friend saying "Mm, this doesn't
1: look normal
0: (laughs) but that was your body responding in a normal way to an abnormal situation so your fight or flight response was kicking in (laughs) and also What
1: happened is I started disliking myself because like the Mm -hmm. best qualities of mine, my strength, were shamed. And also they were keeping me stuck with him because like my sensitivity, my empathy kept me
0: kind of around him because I felt sorry for him. And that's really common too. We have empathy and therefore we feel sorry for them and want to help them and want to fix them. Yeah, this like
1: strange behavior would happen And then I would see him actually suffering. And I still believe that he was suffering after. And this is where arguments could happen with other women. I could talk about it because... I believe he's actually suffering. I don't think anybody in the world wants to be an awful, stinky, shitty person. Mm. (laughs) So uh, I believe that. I just think that he doesn't really want to change either, or he doesn't want to put effort in changing either. But, you know, like he would like to create a story for himself that he's a good person, just something it's wrong with him and it's it's not nice to Mm. be in that state right like he's victimizing himself and and basically what happened I was feeling sorry and I wasn't feeling enough sorry for myself and I got so bad it got to this degree where I felt like if I carry on like this either I'll jump in front of the car and that wasn't the scary part mostly scary would be that my
0: daughter would stay with him without me. And at what point in your relationship did you have your daughter? How soon into the relationship was it? Oh, usual after six months being
1: in an abusive relationship. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, six months I got pregnant.
0: <laughs> it's you know standard. <laughs> <laughs> and what sense did you make of all of this while this was happening to you?
1: Okay, so a sense I made out it was it wasn't my empathy that held me in that relationship. As soon as you ask your brain a question, brain comes with the answer. And and that would be, okay, I was raised when I was a child, that troubles make you good, <laughs> like a good person. Or another one, you never leave your family member when they're sick. Uh, so then obviously, it would be kind of against my core beliefs to leave him if I think he is like this because he's sick. Mm-hmm. Then... I was thinking, okay, so I grew up in a country where patriarchy is, so, like, very, very normalised. Also, I grew up uh, in a country where all our authenticity was taken away by Russians, where all elites or anyone who had the opinion were killed or taken to another country to, uh, like, unlivable land to die. <laughs> so, so I think... There's some kind of blurred boundaries about it, like in my core beliefs, or like even thinking about females being abused, burnt for no reason, for speaking up <laughs> for at least like a couple of yeah. thousand years. Yeah, I mean it's not funny, but like it's kind of like when you but you know when you think, oh, how did you end up like this? And you think, well, there's many reasons why.
0: But all of this, why well, trying to make sense of it? And then
1: I made um, sense of it was that. I don't need to find the reason why in that moment. I need to find the way to escape. And for me Mm. to sit down and chat about it with my girlfriends, like it's not going to do me any good. And what's the biggest lesson you learned from all of this? And the biggest lesson I learned, probably one of the biggest lessons, I will come up with another biggest, (laughs) is that I needed help. I am pretty sure he, he is a psychopath as well. It is possible for one person to destroy your
0: life if they want it. Oh, totally, totally. And that's what their power and control that they want is setting out to control everything, your thoughts, your actions, your everything, isn't it? So that's like their their whole reasoning behind it all is to control yeah. another human being and that human being for him at that point was you. Yeah. Yes,
1: that keeps them safe yeah that that gives them that feeling that they're craving for, and they will do whatever it'll take and If person has psychopathic kind of traits or just lack of empathy, that means they'll take anything anything'll make them gain that control and that power so yeah, so I felt like I needed help because he knows me. He know he knew me so well, so he read my diary when we got in relationship after like six months.
0: So around the time you got pregnant.
1: Oh yeah, I was already pregnant. And then he read my diary. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so I remember trying to leave him then, and I remember I left home and that my belly is poking out. I'm thinking I don't know where to go. There was uh, and I tried to call a few friends. I didn't answer, and I, I, by that time I didn't talk to them anymore anyway. Well, <laughs> where am I going to go? So my best option was to go back and kind of make him feel bad what he did so he would kind of drop a little bit of abuse yeah I didn't know that I could go to refuge I didn't know such a place existed and I didn't know
0: I would qualify for that and at what point did you realize that this was abuse and you needed to do something about it
1: Hmm, interesting because I kind of knew from beginning but I also didn't listen to that voice it's like I remember I just being so amazed by his charm, by his power. I remember him coming in and my uh, coffee shop where I worked and he would just be so like present. And like, it's like everyone else would kind of be nearly afraid of him because yeah, or like would stop and listen to him because his voice is so deep. <laughs> and I would be so mesmerized by that. On the same time, I knew from the day one, there was no t- no way to come out. And my life will never be the same. Wow. that's like being under a spell. Exactly. This is what my dad said. (laughs) It's like being under the spell. Yeah. I just remember like as soon as I went on a date, uh, then he came straight to my workplace. He kind of marked this territory there. And then he like next day, like anyway, it's just that kind of power trip, the way you would talk or the way you would make me feel. I would know that if I decided to leave then, I would not manage because I just don't have tools for it. And I would have either
0: a stalker or
1: either um, I would need to move out from Brighton.
0: And I didn't want to do that. What, this was into the relationship?
1: Oh, no, that was day one.
0: Oh wow! Day one,
1: <laughs> and I was I was so happy. In Brighton. I was studying uh, arts. I uh, had a lovely artist community. I was kind of um, noticed by this artist and invited to show my directed theatre pieces to theatre in the city, and I was thriving. And I thought, I'm not ready to give this all away. But at the same time, it's that kind of logic doesn't even kind of creep in because it doesn't make sense. You think, what, just went on a first date. But your gut is like, "Mm, you would need to disappear. Otherwise it's not going to end. He knows where you live. He knows where you work. He knows where you study. He knows who your friends are. Like you just kind of sense that that's it. So it kind of that irrational brain of mine, kind of looking back, I remember looking back and thinking, okay, so I can't escape. Or if I escape, it's gonna be like dropping all my life, Let's start from zero. Or am um, I just enjoying it in the meanwhile because I still feel really attracted to him <laughs> and figure out later? And yeah, and, and then this kind of confusion was growing. Uh, on the same time, he would do everything I wanted, and yeah. So, so for me to survive it all it, during it, it was really hard. Like I, I actually, when I had to write a document for the court, I had to write what happened gradually, like uh, day by day, by day, by, by, by year, by year. And, and I realized that I blocked out two years. I had no single memory. And then I thought, okay, I'm not going to give up because I have this spirit. I was that person at school who just created their own formulas. But okay. So I went through my pictures, emails anything from these two years to kind of recap what happened. And I remember already six months after moving out from Brighton. And by that time, I studied about abuse. I had a kind of counseling, like one-to-ones, checking in with my uh, key worker. And then I remember just bursting into tears. I'm like, oh my God, how did I come back in one piece? Because you're a warrior. Because at the same time... Lovely free spirit aura about me. So I was just like that all the time. Even while in relationship, people used to see me like this. Oh, she's going dancing. Oh, she's doing this. She's doing that. But on the same time, in a background, in the subconscious mind, it can be very different what's going on. And if you don't check in with your body, like you don't know where you're going to end up. Absolutely. I remember even like moment. He even already moved out of a refuge. Just being able to write a paragraph that makes sense was like wow,
0: because my brain was so jammed. Yeah. So when so you felt like your brain was jammed, like the information couldn't come out, or it was just so kind of you was in living in a state of anxiety, or how, what kind of what kind of thought processes, what was going on in your brain at this time? Some memories are deleted. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: then I would go through this kind of cycle of feeling free and happy or finally being free (laughs) or living away from this man and seeing my child getting more confidence and positive things going on. And then I would have these thoughts of, oh, miss him. Oh, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> and I would just stand back and watch this thoughts. So like, mm. okay, I think it's time to journaling. Um, <laughs> I remember that was very kind of significant moment as well. What helped me to recover? I was journaling at night, so guess I had this blockage about writing diary. After he read my diary,
0: absolutely, naturally, totally. Yeah,
1: funny enough, uh, I'm still jumping up and down. But after he read my diary slowly, gradually, he became my diary. I would go back home and I would report him everything that happened to me. Really? Wow. I didn't realize that until something happened. So he pretended to be a friend of a person I talked to in a gym. And he used the information I told him (laughs) what I talked to him about. Okay, that's so confusing. Anyway, so, okay, so basically... Because I was telling everything to my abuser, then he could navigate who is in my life. So people would just disappear from my life because they would think I'm weird because he would use the information. For example, I go home And I tell him, oh, I had a great gym session. I met this person. He's amazing. He is Latvian. We're like like brothers, sisters, culturally. And he stalked Mm -hmm. him on his social media to know what he's interested in and what he believes. And that person just started to ignore me. I used to journal. I I knew I had to journal because these thoughts that kind of... Thoughts that I understand they're not real, especially living in a refuge and seeing other women talking about their ex. So I wasn't daring to look into my mind. I was afraid. So I used to journal at night. That somehow would help. So everyone is asleep. I put the candles on. I have the self-care box. (laughs) And I would start journaling. So maybe I would do yoga for like, I don't know, an hour or two to get into that kind of trance for me to let it out. And I would start journaling. Wow. And what's funny was Beautiful. like, I tried to visit the most embarrassing, shameful mm. moments what you made me do. And and then through journaling, I would realize that actually it wasn't my fault. And I thought, wow, that's, that's really working. Okay. Uh, but uh, that was probably the biggest yeah. help that helped me to survive and to heal. Because uh, what I've seen around most of women, if not all, in the refuge, they went back to the abuser or they
0: found another abuser partner. You have to do the work, don't you? You have to kind of do the work on yourself. You have to do the courses that are available to find out the red flags and, you know, be able to spot these things. Like, I mean, you said a day a day that it took when you was like and if you had known then what you know now do you think perhaps you may have taken it I know you said before that you felt that there was no way out he knows where you work he knows where you live but do you honestly feel that if you'd known then what you know now about abuse that you could have potentially avoided some of what had happened
1: yes yes first of all I would know now from his body language it is abusive (laughs) <laughs> it's simple <laughs> as that. You learn that in uh, in the course, mm-hmm. and now uh, I feel like I'm this kind of <laughs> like freak. Uh, actually, I really like watching people <laughs> because uh, from a dance background, I love observing body languages and how it affects our mental health, and it, it's it's fascinating. But now, after doing the course, I can spot straight away what kind of abuser he or she is from the body language. No. and tone of their voice and it's like oh my god it's like no one can see
0: this <laughs> but it can kind of like <laughs> yeah like you have a secret insight into people's thought patterns
1: yeah, it's quite it's quite fascinating
0: yeah it's very fascinating that you feel that you can tell what type of an abuser someone is just by their body language after doing the course so what other significant things have you learned from doing the courses trauma bond is not love and we will be attracted
1: to people that our kind of so the way I see it, yeah. uh, they have to learn certain lessons in life for that expansion. And for example, what I see, what happened with me and my ex, that I needed to reconnect with my power, with my authenticity I and boundaries. Um, Yeah. And I think authenticity is, I think it's mostly I had to find out who I am. And for me, Mm -hmm. like I had lessons in life and lessons in life and I had to kind of flee. Like I left Lithuania because I felt like I couldn't be myself. Then I left the house. I lived with these people who were not nice to me. And I just felt like I was not myself. I had to leave. And then that lesson is escalating and escalating. And and Mm -hmm. then I, I had the most terrific relationship with a very dangerous person who I would not be able to be authentic at all. So what changed and how comes you're so authentic now? So the question was, when I left this abuse, who am I? who is that authentic me? What does it mean listen to your heart? We all share these words. Oh, just listen to your, like your heart, like be authentic. But what does it even mean when this abuse has kind of been for centuries in a way towards women? So I Think what helped me to survive and thrive was kind of really start listening to my body like truly listen to my body and and learning not to be judgmental it really helped of course being yoga teacher and studying about it there's so many beautiful resources out there because like we all have that feeling in our chest where we feel contracted I feel expanded it's as simple as that. And expanding doesn't mean like not being afraid of it because mm. you might feel afraid like more than anything yeah. else in the world. For example, when I knew I was trapped with my ex, <sighs> day one, and my heart knew uh, wanted to leave, but mm. I didn't know how
0: mm. to express it. And I had to learn a quite hard way. <laughs> and do you think that now you've got to a place where you actually know yourself again? Yes. And how long do you think that took you?
1: So uh, I guess it took me all my life. When I left abusive relationship and when I accepted that I needed help and I rejected all help, from people that wanted to give me advice, but they didn't have education in that. They didn't have training how to deliver that knowledge. Because, for example, my friend studied psychology, but she didn't know how to deliver it without making me feel worse. So I stopped spending time with people who would I would feel drained yeah. after. And that was really tough. Because my family members, my best friend... So, I had to reject certain people, and it would be really hard because it's nice talking to them, but after you feel like shit. <laughs> but if you're being really truthfully honest and have that notebook and record your feelings after being with certain people or doing certain activities, you know if you're energized or if you're drained. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just took all courses, I took all help uh, that was mm-hmm. available, I took all free stuff. I was uh, so grateful for that free pasta. <laughs> I didn't like word survivor. I guess I didn't want to end with survivor. I wanted to, I survived. I wanted mm. to heal and I want to thrive. And I think it's important what questions we asked ourselves. If you ask, how am I going to survive this? Your brain is going to come up with the answers. And you're going to be just surviving. But if you ask yourself, how do I thrive? Then your brain is going to come up with the answers.
0: (laughs) So what would be your biggest bit of advice for anyone listening today? Never ever
1: judge yourself for what you feel.
0: Your feelings have
1: amazing value. And if it's confusing, then write them down or... If you have an analytical brain like mine, where I would just like map it out and make a meaning or or seek for professional. Never ask for advice, people like, like your friends. I mean, the point is when you ask your friends advice, what are they going to say? They're going to project their fears on you. So leave him. Yeah, right?
0: <laughs> so what did you do?
1: Call National Domestic Violence Line. So this was a savior number one mm-hmm. with me. It's not strength to, to stay in abuse. Because <laughs> I think a lot of women especially feel like they're strong, they can stay, they can handle it. It's not strength. In fact, I quite like this person told me, and it's kind of like an arrogance mm-hmm. if you think about it. Because if you think about the situation, you are an abusive person, you know, like it's kind of you know wearing a head guard and you're being punched and you're being punched and you're being punched, huh, I can take it. That is kind that a little bit Dana. I had this within me that thought I'm strong I can handle it I can find a solution how to make this work I'm not going to be a failure who took a child away from a father <laughs> it's not strength to be able to cope well yes you need to cope to survive but then you need to admit that you need help and seek for adequate help from people who studied it or people who understand it people that make you feel good not only during the conversation but are after you feel good because because we need that energy to to Mm -hmm. live and then to heal and then to thrive like i could just feel like all these right people just flowing to me it was beautiful one really really like amazing thing that also helped me to recover was free writing in the morning so in the morning before your logic still is sleep it's a good time (laughs) to
0: let all that shit out (laughs) You mentioned before about free writing in the evening. So what would you suggest? Writing in the morning or writing in the evening?
1: Mm. So if something is bothering you during the day and you don't quite understand, like we often judge our feelings like, oh, why, how can I feel this way? He's so good. I feel guilty for feeling angry at him. Or like if there is that kind of, thoughts then night writing is good because you still kind of a little bit like sleep and it gets in that kind of different vibration where you can actually do better healing and <laughs> yeah at least in my case but then sometimes you don't really have these thoughts
0: you feel them
1: or, or you might be distracted during the day and you think you're fine but then in the morning you wake up and for example i used to wake up with this horrific weight on my chest and i would not know what that is but it started from being in an abusive relationship. So I would wake up and I would write, tension, tension my chest. Need coffee. <laughs> so, and then it would develop to, like, it's it just the way our brains work through our association. Like in the end, it would be a lovely poetry about <laughs> my life. And, and I would understand that, mm-hmm. oh, what, what yeah. it is. And I would then revisit these traumatic moments. I would remember that, For example that moment with a pregnant belly when I looked at the belly and I couldn't leave and I would give myself that time to have a good cry about it because then I didn't have luxury to have that time to cry I was busy to survive so if my body wants to cry about it I'm allowing it and then if my body wants to get naked in the balcony and be in the sunshine because it feels good I'm letting it because I think we need to learn to listen to ourselves. Yes. We listen to our thoughts because they have a, like naughty child. If you think about like, you know, and they're like, mommy, 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 mommy. they are not going to show up until you listen. Eventually you're going to hear that subtle, quiet child in your head to to, to have a go, or have a turn.
0: You're like, oh my God. Yeah. Th- that will be valid information that to help you to heal. I promise. Thank you so much, Christina. So how can people connect with you if they want to know more about how you help people who've been through domestic abuse? Yeah.
1: Oh, so I I do, I teach one-to-one yoga. I teach body work. I kind of help people to listen to that body. It sounds very easy maybe for me, especially with the bag background of dance but i think with a liberal guidance people get great results also i'll be teaching uh, essential dance fits courses for women where they can reconnect with their sense with their essence with their sensuality uh, and this will start in september 2023 okay and are these
0: online or in person uh, they'll be in person it'll be in london okay awesome is there anything else that you would like to add Uh, I wish that people
1: Mm. would understand that abuse can happen to anyone and as horrific experience as it is, it can be amazing training. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a boot scam where you nearly die, but then you get your results. So you're gonna, you can learn so much out of it. And then you have so much, you're reclaiming these parts of yourself and you can really thrive after. And if I didn't go into that relationship, I wouldn't be here where I am mentally. I would be stuck and repeating the same pattern over and over again with a little bit less extreme abuse. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Yeah, I say similar. You know, if I didn't go through what I went through, I wouldn't be here today helping all the women that I help and doing what I do. Who's to say where I'd be if I was in a less abusive relationship, but just putting up with just crap.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. you kind of have to go through it all to kind of understand what healthy is and what
0: works for you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming and talking on the podcast. I hope that you had fun. I hope that you are happy to share your story and you're confident enough to know that the message that you're putting out there will help lots and lots and lots of women or maybe men as well. Thank you for joining us in this episode of The Secrets in the Powder Room. If you want to connect with Christina, please see the links in the show notes. And if you have a secret that you want to share, either anonymously or on the show, please message me at the secrets in the powder room podcast at gmail.com or connect with me via social media.